Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. In today's Housing Wire Daily interview, Lisa Haynes, the Mortgage Bankers Association's Chief Financial Officer and Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, joins Housing Wire Digital Media Manager Alcina Lloyd to discuss MBA's Voices, which is a three-part series that explores the experiences of women of color in the real estate finance industry. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. Hello, Housing Wire listeners. Today, I'm joined with Lisa Haynes, the Mortgage Bankers Association's Chief Financial Officer and Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer. Thanks for joining us on Housing Wire Daily, Lisa. Uh, Thank you for the invitation. It's so wonderful to be here and to be able to talk about what's passionate. Of course, we're happy to have you. Lisa, I want to start off this interview by better introducing our listeners to Voices. Can you tell us the heart behind the series and why the NBA wanted to launch the project? I imagine recent social and political unrest attributed to the need for the series as it's elevated conversations about diversity and inclusion. Uh, thank you. You are so correct. Um, the passion has um, been wonderful. Um, I think I would say that the passion behind the Voices Project, it's been on our hearts for a while. Um, And definitely the racial unrest that was sparked by the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many others really gave voice to it. Um, The increase in conversations around diversity, equity, inclusion, it just confirmed that it was time for a long overdue conversation. Just like many sectors in in finance industry, the real estate finance sector is no different. It's predominantly male and white, uh, particularly as a leadership level. The higher you go up, um, the more it looks uh, homogenous. And so, um, and there's been some advancement over the last 10 years uh, for women, mostly in terms of diversity, but that advancement has not been um, the same across all spectrums for all women. Uh, It definitely hasn't been an equal movement of 
increase in women across. And so we just decided that it was time to have this conversation. You know, we talk about women's issues um, and they've been talked about for some time, but not the intersectionality that comes into play for women of color. Um, the experiences for women in business, they can be universal. Um, you know, being up to, interrupted by men in a meeting as an example, um, you know, being excluded from something, from the table, from, you know, a golf game. Um, but there's an added layer of complexity for women of color. And so we just felt it was time for us to give voice to that struggle. All right, and now that we know the project's message, can I ask what topics the series intends to cover and some of the guests you'll be featuring? Sure, so we we, we plan three sessions. Each session has a slightly different focus to it, all with the same theme of uncomfortable conversations with women of color. Uh, in the first session, we featured four women from varied races, backgrounds, and ethnicities who shared their stories. The title of that section was Our, T our Story, Our Time, um, ideally identifying the fact that this was a different time in history, right? We had reached a place where there was a lot of racial unrest and a lot of conversation uh, about the issues of race. And so it, it was time to begin to tell the story. Uh, and these women, because they're all different, they told this story from their perspective. And each of them, not only was this story different from each other, very different from their white counterparts. Um, so that conversation, which was our first one, turned out to be fantastic with Sarita Battle from Chase uh, Bank, Laura Escobar from Lennar Mortgage, Smriti Papano of Dynex Capital, and Amber Rao from Key Bank. And they just openly shared about their experience experiences, both from their, you know, from racial perspective, microaggressions, you know, treatment in the workforce, that kind of thing from the perspective of a woman of color. And I think that that opened eyes for people who didn't know that experience. Our second session, which we just held this past week on Tuesday, uh, for me, this session was kind of a man, we definitely have never done anything like this before. So it was an open conversation that was moderated by Trina Scott of Rocket Ventures. Um, and we featured uh, in that a panel of diverse women. So we had two black women, AJ Barkley of Bank of America, Tammy Jones of Basis Investment. We had one Latina, Maria Vergara of Fannie Mae. And we had two white women, Kathy Ferris of Wells Fargo and Lorraine Stewart of Boeing Employee Credit Union. And these five women uh, moderated by Trina had a a really candid conversation about their experiences and the difference in their experiences. We used polling to um, bring the audience in and, and be a part of the conversation, a lot of Q&A, but it was really a, um, a heart to heart discussion about the fact that our experiences are not the same, even to the extent that we have the same circumstance, our experience and how we um, how we receive that is very different uh, from our from women of color versus their white counterparts. And so that was that was just really exciting. People were um, love the openness, love the candidness of these women to be able to talk about their experience and to be able to talk about what's uncomfortable. And, and we all know that the, the race conversation can be very uncomfortable. People don't want to talk about it. But we talked about things like, do you see color? And, and all of that was um, a part of the conversation of why it's important to see color and what that plays, how that plays in for a woman of color into her identity. Um, our final session, which is coming up on February 2nd, will focus on allyship, mentorship, and sponsorship. What do they mean? Why is it important? And also why women who've progressed and men who've progressed in their career, why they need to be part of the solution. And so this session will feature uh, a mentee um, who will be on with her mentors talking about exactly how that experience has worked for her. Uh, we've got some words of wisdom from 
from an industry DEI expert, Tawana Williams, who will um, give us some thoughts around this. And then we feature a CEO corner with two of our leading female CEOs in the industry um, who've been around for quite some time, Deb Still of Pulte Mortgage and Patty Arbiello of New American Funding. And so that happens on February 2nd. We'll look at, uh, that's a Tuesday at three o'clock. We'll look, we're excited uh, for that session as well. And that's where we'll wrap it up. Um, but this isn't the end. This is just um, the first part of our, our series on uh, elevating voices. Thank you for diving into that topic discussion. You mentioned a lot of really big names, so that's really exciting. Now, let's rewind our conversation back to the 12th of this month, which is when Voices had its first segment. In the conversation on the 12th, MBA's Chief Operating Officer, Marsha Davies, who founded Empower, MBA's networking platform for women in the real estate finance industry, discussed racial diversity in leadership. In the series, she argued that companies with the most ethnically diverse leadership teams are 33% more likely to outperform their peers on profitability. This is why she believes inclusivity in leadership is not only the right thing to do, but it's a good business. What do you think about her sentiment and what does it mean for business leadership at large? So, you know, Marsha does a lot of work, a lot of studying around women's issues. Um, so if she said it, it's true. Uh, but but I, I, I love the sentiment because, you know, I've done a lot of reading on some of this. Um, Boston Consulting Group has done a lot of work on, and studies around the d- diverse companies and finding that they're more profitable. The more diverse the leadership is, the board, uh, the more profitable the companies are. And there are also num- a number of studies showing how women leaders drive higher returns. Um, I was recently reading an article on Forbes, and they discussed a study done, done by Pecan, which is a, a HR insights platform. Um, and to me, that just captured it for me. I, I you know, kind of wrote some notes down because I really liked it. It said that women-led companies appear to be uh, better meeting the overall job satisfaction needs than those led by men. And we all know that employee satisfaction is a key driver in a company's success. If your employees aren't happy, if your employees don't like coming to work, if your employees aren't engaged in what they're doing, that's going to have a serious impact on your bottom line. And so the study found that women-led companies appear to, they just really appear to do, do a better job of overall job satisfaction. And they had three findings that resonated with me. Uh, the first one was that uh, there's that women are more positive uh, relating to the organization's corporate strategy, mission, and ability to communicate on topics when compared uh, to the, the counterparts, male counterparts. Um, also, that they're better at spot, inspiring belief in the products, leading more overall to overall employee engagement compared to their counterparts. And then the employees seem to enjoy a more, uh, more autonomy, uh, specifically around the work from home issue when compared to their male counterparts. And so those three kind of resonated with me as why it would make sense. The word empathy comes to mind, and I don't mean to imply that men aren't empathetic, but as a general rule, women, we have a tendency to be empathetic. That's going to drive some employee behavior and employee interaction that may not be driven you know, by male-led companies. And so I, I think the, the critical component here is just recognizing um, that women bring something to the table from a diversity perspective that men don't. And I think that's why when you bring together uh, diverse organizations, they, they shouldn't be all one or all anything else. But when you bring together a diverse leadership team, you're going to have diversity of thought, diversity of experience, diversity of education. That's going to bring about the best solutions uh, and the best progress, thereby explaining why you're going to get the best results out of a diverse team. 
All right. It's good that you talked about that because your final segment of the series is called Together We Rise, and it will take place on Tuesday, February 2nd, like you said. In this final session, your guests will be discussing solutions and solutions on how to bridge the gap through mentorship and sponsorship. My question for you is why is allyship so important for women of color in the real estate industry? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, one definition of allies uh, that Forbes uses is allies put in work to understand your situation, barriers and challenges, and then use their social and political capital to advocate for you. Um, I think that is is really important. Um, and I think women of color, it's important because we're, we're underrepresented. We're going to be underrepresented at, in most rooms, at most tables. Um, and because we, in some cases, we won't even be in the room. And so because of that, those in the room need to be allies and need to be advocates. Uh, we need men who will invite us to the table and provide the opportunity. We need men who will be inclusive and even call out their colleagues who aren't being inclusive. We need women who are in the room when we're not in the room to, to, to advocate for an all women strategy that includes women of color and women who may be different. Um, you know, the, 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 the parts of the experience that are different for everybody, we need allies to recognize that the differences add value, right? They bring an asset to the table. And so somebody who's at the table needs to be to, needs to include, we're missing this perspective. And that's where allyship comes in. When you recognize that a peer of yours or a subordinate of yours or just somebody in the company has a perspective that could be used at the table, there are numbers of incidents of things that to me happened that shouldn't have happened at companies um, if they had the right person at the table, making bad marketing decisions that offend one group or another, which to me, if you simply had the right people at the table, you would have actually got, came up with a better decision. And so that, that when I say that it's important to have allies, the allies need to be helping to make sure that the voices at the table are the right voices. Um, I read a quote recently that said, with an ally, it's not one plus one equals two, it's one plus one equals more than two. And so when you get an ally at the table, you're creating a, a much bigger thing than just two people at the table, you're creating a larger environment. And so that, that's why I believe allyship is important. I think it's important for, for women to be allies to each other, for men to be allies to women, and particularly those underrepresented groups, which women of color in this industry is just that. All right, so we talked about what needs to be done to strengthen diversity within the real estate industry. And now I just want to ask, what are some of the real hurdles that may stand in the way of this goal? Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest hurdles I see is um, there are a couple, but one is we have to be deliberate. Our former chair, uh, Chris George, used to say DNI could also stand for deliberate and intentional. We have to be deliberate and intentional about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It can't just be an after the fact item. When it comes to talent, we have to be diverse, de deliberate and intentional about the talent that we're both recruiting and um, the talent that we're growing, right? There's no magic bullet. People are often looking for this pipeline of diverse talent. There is no magic bullet out there. You've just got to go do the work. You've got to go find the talent. And this idea that there's no uh, good minority talent, there's no, I can't find, there's no good black talent out there. That's just a misnomer. It's it's where you're looking would be the question. The second issue I think would be inclusivity. So if we invite people to the table, that's just not enough. 
people have to feel like they belong at the table, right? Their voice is heard at the table. So you can't just invite people to the table and say, well, they were there, we included them. You also have to make them feel included as if their voice matters at the table. Um, the third thing I would talk about is equity. Uh, the pay equity gap for women of color is, you know, it's atrocious. And so you, we can't move this thing along. We can't say we've got diversity, equity, and inclusion if, in fact, women of color are making 50 to 60% less than, than white men. That needs to be fixed if we're going to truly have um, diversity and inclusion and not leave out the equity piece. Um, and finally, I would say support from the top is critical. CEOs have to be engaged, right? If we really want to move the needle, needle, CEOs must be engaged. It has to be a priority for the company. If it's not a priority, if it's not on the CEO's top list, then it's just an initiative. And we all know that initiatives are either completed or they just fail away. And in this case, it can't be an initiative. It's got to be, it really has to be a, a movement, not a moment, right? We need to, This needs to be something, that a new direction that we're heading. It can't be something we started and then later on, well, we tried that or it was something that was for that particular moment. This is a change in the way we do things. This has to be in the change in the way we look at business and the way we do business. All right. And as we talk about it being a movement and not just a moment, my last question for you is, do you think there's anything else our listeners need to know about Voices or MBA's message about inclusivity and diversity? Um, I would just say, first of all, join us. Um, if you haven't heard uh, Voices, join us. If you're a member of the NBA, the, the, the previous sessions are recorded. They're on our, our website. Um, but I would say just in general, I, I would encourage organizations that are out there, if you're not having these conversations, it's time and it's past time to have the conversations even within your own organization, to make your organization better. If you have employees, women of color who, who haven't, you, you don't know what their story is, you haven't really engaged them on why things are different for them or how the work-life balance or issues could be better. I just encourage uh, companies to be deliberate about it because it does make, we've started a lot of this work internally at the MBA and really starting to move into being able to have conversations that we didn't have before um, that are uncomfortable, but make us a better organization. And so we're trying to do that internally. We're trying to do that in our industry. And I would just encourage others at your company and in your industry to do the same, be the leader um, if you need to be the leader, but just step out and recognize that this is really about how to make how to make the companies we work at better. Melissa, well, thank you so much for joining us on Housing Wire Daily. We hope to hear from you soon. Thank you. I appreciate your time and um, it's been great being here. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.